Uh, welcome to the Eric G. Oh, man. Man. All right. Um, all right. Uh, welcome to the Eric J. The Great uh, Podcast Show. Got a, a special guest on the show today. Uh, author Khadija Power. How you doing today? I'm good, Eric. How are you? Hey, I'm doing all right. Okay. Thank you for having me. Oh, yeah, no problem. You know, I uh, do these all the time. So I, I've met a lot of different people. So. So uh, we'll we'll uh, we'll just start from the beginning, and then uh, just work work our way up to what you got going on. You know, right now, as far as like your books and things like that. So uh, first off, you know, just tell the people, you know, where you're from and uh, how old are you? Uh, I uh, grew up in Joplin, Missouri, small little town in the Midwest corner of the state, but currently I live in Maryland and I've been in the DC, Virginia, Maryland area since 2005. Okay. Yeah. And I will be, you said, how old am I? <laughs> yeah. I will be 47 in December. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. I, I'm a December baby too. Hey, what day? Uh, 30th. Oh, of the third. <laughs> oh, okay. So, uh, as far as like your hometown, um, like, uh, how was it growing up? You know, like what was some of the obstacles and stuff you had to endure as a kid, teenager, things like that? Yeah. So that was kind of the premise of my, uh, memoir growing up Joplin. And I moved there with my dad and my sister. I have a younger sister who's about 17 months younger than I am. Um, when I was about fourth grade, so I think you're about nine around that time. And so it was definitely interesting. So leaving kind of the D.C. area to go to Missouri, where my father grew up, uh, was definitely a little bit of a culture shock. And I don't think I noticed it until other people pointed out, like, color. You know, I think the very first time I had experience with color, uh, because I had a little bit of a tumultuous childhood. So neither parent raised me. So my dad, my dad, who's my biological uncle, raised me and my sister because in the 70s and 80s, unfortunately in DC, a lot of things happening. And so he wanted us to kind of have like, you know, a normal childhood. And so we had missed a lot of school because we was bounced between relatives, unofficial black foster care, you know, live with our grandma, then our aunt, then our mom, then you know, so we got, you know, passed around a lot till finally my uncle's like, okay, enough of this. I'm taking the girls, we're moving to Joplin, and I'm going to raise them, you know, and we were like, okay, we just wanted stability, you know, so I could just vividly remember being behind. So I was placed in remedial reading classes, as well as math classes, because again, all missing school, not being able to um, focus on my education, it was there. So I remember an older white teacher that I had, um, I was struggling with some words in a book, you know, and she snatches the book from my hands. And like, literally to this day, I hear her saying like, you know, colored kids do not learn like white kids and you will never be a strong reader. This is what she told me, fourth grade. So I tell people that was, I look down, you know, to kind of see, okay, I'm brown, look at the rest of the kids who are not brown or any other kids of color. And that was my introduction to color. It would be a theme throughout the entire, you know, period growing up there in Missouri, um, which is why I chose to leave. 
Uh, and I think the beautiful side of it is leaving to see a whole nother world, to be able to find like self, self-acceptance when, you know, there, because it's difficult when you're the only, like in any situations, you know, especially in kind of like white situations, because now not only am I the only, uh, I have super ethnic name. <laughs> so Kadisha, and then my sister's name was Yonika. So, uh, you know, it was just a lot. So the microaggressions, not wanting to say our name right, you know, always being like, okay, you're for a black girl being tagged on like everything where we're like, why? Um, But again, until you're growing up with that, until you're outside of it, you don't really kind of see anything wrong with it or like, oh, don't let that, don't let it bother you too, too much. So that was, that was it. So dating was also interesting because uh, the town had 3% like black population, right? Not, not very big. And we all was all related, right? So if you dated anyone, um, you know, it was to one of two things. It was either, okay, I, we, it has to be in secret because I can't bring you home to my family because I'll get in trouble or they're racist or, you know, flat out, they would be honest, you know? Um, you know, so I was just like, I'm, you know, I'm never going to be a secret. And my dad, you know, had taught me my sister, well, if he can't be seen with in public, then there's nothing you need to be doing with anybody in the private, you know, point blank, you know, so that was a little bit difficult. Now there was a couple that was just like, okay, I don't care about my family or their family didn't care, you know, so that was definitely, you know, interesting, but more often than not, it was always issues with color first than anything else, um, kind of coming up again in, in the environment. And now again, granted, some phenomenal people in the town. I can't, you know, I can't say that there aren't any. There really are, um, but the overall shape does a little bit of a damage to the self-esteem that you kind of have to re-unlearn things, you know, as you grow, see the world, and get exposed to different things. And I think leaving Missouri and then international travel, you know, helped me with that. Okay, mm-hmm. so as far as you know. Um getting passed around like that as a kid um you know that can have a lot on that uh effect on you as far especially uh transition to your adult years when you're a teenager so uh what type of effect that had on you not being around your parents as much and having to be raised by your uncle and people you know I mean their family but they're not supposed to be raising you you know yeah, that had a massive effect because a lot of people are like, oh, I didn't have my mom or my dad. And I'm like, neither parent <laughs> raised us. Now, my mother, she had five children. I'm her third and her first daughter. And then my biological father, he has six and I'm his oldest. So I have like nine <laughs> brothers and sisters out here, but I was only raised, you know, again with Yonika and I. Um, It does a huge effect on us because the adults never told us like why we got passed around. It was like a family secret. Now, I know drugs was involved, um, you know, both struggled with some addictions and things like that, that, you know, unfortunately couldn't be helped. But whether they thought, well, you guys are too young to know, no one attempted to let us know that it wasn't our fault. So we internalized it, which kind of turned it into a people pleasing situation growing up of where, okay, if we do something wrong, we're going to be kicked out or we got to leave because we just, we never knew the answers, you know, until of course we grew up later, but we also had to internalize that. And I also feel that the other part of it was I had the hardest time trusting people. Like I, you know, it's not easy trusting people. It's not easy letting people in. And it's still difficult, you know, now and I'm in therapy and I tell people, get a therapist, get you a therapist that 
preferably if you can it looks like you in a sense because there are some cultural things you may not necessarily have to understand um but we we unpack some of that and again some of that's so deep rooted that it's like a big onion you know so when I taught high school I taught high school for 13 years and I, I left the field in January I would be able to relate to my students you know I taught in DC so having to just be honest about my story you know about understanding okay well if your mom or your parent is doing this or that's acting and it made me more relatable to my students I also think in my book as well because it's not a family secret to me you know and when I talked to my relatives they were just like we were trying to protect you but they didn't really know you know what to do and so what I did with my own son I have a son he's 25 um I was always honest with him about everything you know no matter oh he's too little to know about that no I started at two and three I started teaching him his private parts and nobody could touch him and there are no secrets between adults and then you know I started to just pour that into him so that he could come to me with any issue or anything and we could talk about anything there was no subject off limits to us and even if they were uncomfortable for me to talk to him you know I forced myself to talk to talk to him through so he had the knowledge and you know unfortunately his dad chose to leave you know us we hadn't seen him since Israel was about three and I would always tell him you know I definitely sympathize with how you feel um one day you know and I never spoke bad about his dad I said one day you'll meet him and have to sit across and he has to answer for where he's been and why he hasn't been there for you but know that you're surrounded by a circle of people who love you, who do anything to get the best for you, you know, like that. So, you know, now I've seen a little bits of how he's internalized that a little. Um, but for the most part, when I was like, had a kid and then it was two things happening, we were like, well, if we have kids, they're not going to have like super ethnic names. <laughs> My sister and I literally made a pact at like 12 and 13 because it was just too much with the names. And then like I have Israel, we call him Izzy and she has Brendan so now we're also seeing a shift with the names you know that the people that were born like gen x like us um with with super creative names kind of going back to giving the kids some kind of traditional names because we're also seeing how that plays effect in the systemic racism and jobs and applications and all this stuff that 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 we literally see and have experienced okay so um what activities you, you you was into as a kid like did you play any sports or things like that and uh also uh after you answered that question um also um uh, answer what you went through as a kid did that kind of um transition you into like uh being an author because i know like a lot of people uh when they go through a lot of adversity as kids mm -hmm. they uh they either have diaries or they just start or they'll start venting to themselves and not writing it down and then eventually you know just start writing it down you know mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um so i when we grew up in joplin small town like fifty thousand people it was pretty safe like we would be outside from the sun up so sundown in the summer times bicycle over to our friend's house um I, we and my sister are very active because like I said 16 months kind of separated so it's almost like a twin so anything we wanted to try my dad was like cool but the rule was if you try it you got to finish either the season or 
um, you know, whatever it is. So he started us in gymnastics and then we were kind of like, yeah, we're not feeling this. So we enrolled us in soccer. Uh, he then became our soccer coach <laughs> and, you know, we were pretty good. Plus across the street from us live two cousins. So I have, we have two older cousins. So we're the oldest four. Um, and so we were always playing a rough housing with them and their friends, football, wrestling. This was time when wrestling was real popular. Um, we we're actually pretty good athletes. So I love soccer. I played soccer for 11 years, indoor and out. Um, and then we came, my sister, she liked basketball. So she played basketball. We came back together for softball in the spring. And I remember when we first got to softball, it was pretty terrible because my sister and I are both left-handed. My dad, it didn't dawn on him. Like once he was getting all the gear and he signed us up that, oh, hey, I've let, so he gave us these right-handed gloves. And of course we didn't know. And he's like, okay, I know my girls are better athletes than this. What's happening? And then it dawned on him one day and he's like, wait, they're left-handed. <laughs> so went out. And so by that time, my sister took to right-handed. So she does everything right-handed except for like eat and write. Um, me, I'm a full lefty. I bat left, kick left. I'm a full left dominant, you know, person. So um, I think sports was a great connector because again, the town being so small, you grow up and go to school with all the same people you meet. Um, so soccer matches, we travel a little bit for the leagues and then school happened at, at the time that I was growing up school, we didn't have a soccer team. So I played with boys and girls club. And then I also volunteered there to give that time. So stayed active. And I think being active in sports and kind of, like I said, being a tomboy, I feel like it kind of kept me out of a lot of trouble that some of my other friends was getting into because I was working part-time playing sports and going to school. So it wasn't really any time for anything else. Um, so then your second question about, was I always kind of a writer? Um, I would say yes, but I would say it manifested in storytelling, you know? So I would always have just the randomest stories. If I had an audience, like the little comedian of the group, like I would just cap people with the storytelling, storytelling. So I had the stories for days, just be making up stuff. I see stuff in my head, like a movie, have always been um, attracted to the creative field. So from the comment with that teacher made for me, I felt that time I could have made two decisions. I could have never picked up a book ever and believed and internalized that I could never be a strong reader. But what happened was the opposite of it. So something inside me was just like, okay, I don't believe it. I'm gonna do it. So the summer came, I had my dad take me to the library. I was checking out 15 books at a time, blazing through them the whole entire summer. Now, when I go to fifth grade and they go to test me to make sure, okay, she's gonna be back and read it. Why was I reading at an eighth grade level? in the fifth grade. Now they did not believe me at all. Tested me three times. <laughs> I passed all the tests with like flying colors, knew the vocab, knew all the stuff. And they were just really shocked and perplexed. So I think that having that experience, although negative, I, something to me at that time was just like, no, I know I can be a strong reader. I know I can do it. Um, and that's where my love of reading became, you know, so I literally, my, you know, dad, draw, he would drop me off the library every Saturday morning. I would spend about three hours in there when I found out I could take out 15 and I would blaze through those books just like that. And I read them two or three times before the next Saturday, because I love reading that much. And what people don't know is one, when you read, increases your memory, um, you're reading and your, uh, your uh, memory recall skills expand out. So that's why I think being the storyteller come from reading a lot and then also my own overactive imagination. So that's how my love for reading and writing began, but I didn't begin writing until the pandemic. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Oh, when the pandemic um, happened and you um, 
chose to pursue, you know, being an author and putting books out and things like that. Uh, was anyone behind you pushing you to do that? Or was that something that you uh, just came up with on your own? Well, I always was like, I, I want to write, but I know for me, I need accountability in my life. You know, I'm, I'm great at starting stuff, but kind of the follow through, I could be totally honest, is a struggle. So um, my first night ever in Clubhouse, they had just opened. Clubhouse hadn't been on that long. Um, and, you know, if you don't know Clubhouse, uh, audio only little, you know, app. And now it's, you know, it's pretty popular. Uh, I popped in and it was like, so you want to write your book? So the first room, you know, that I ever saw. So I pop in that room and Elena Kai was, ha she's a, a award-winning author over 30 plus books was having a challenge, write your book in 30 days. And part of the challenge was, okay, we're going to go from Clubhouse to a Zoom and then we'll tell you about the program. So um, inside the program, it was about 18 of us on this Zoom call. And they said, okay, you're going to be assigned a book coach. You need to check in with your book coach each day, you know, um, and you, the goal is, again, you have to write each day, you know, um, to get your memoir or your self-help book. Now, um, again, we started with 18. Once we weeded out everything, we got to nine. And unfortunately, like four of us went to publication. Now, it was super crazy stressful. So one of the things they told us was just like, hey, keep it personal. Don't share. Don't blast it. Because this is a thing that for whatever reason, people love to hate on you if you tell them you're writing a book or you're doing something kind of creative because maybe they wanted to do a book or, you know, drop a music CD or something, whatever. But, you know, a lot of people have it. So I talked to my husband. I was like, it's already a little bit of a stressful time. <laughs> I'm about to add some stress because it was also the heart of the pandemic. I was a teacher in this time. So trying to navigate those waters and write, already spending eight to 12 hours and then spending another two hours on a computer, it was a lot. But I, I felt strongly about it. And then having that a daily accountability was the kicker for me because my coach, she didn't play with me. All right, why, where's your word counts? You're a little couple days behind. What's happening? You know, and I couldn't even, I was like, okay, I, I, I am in here messing around. I was bench watch something. I should be right. She's like, get on it. And I was like, okay, yes, ma'am. So I was on it. She, uh, she was the best coach for me. Um, and so inside of that are the four of us, you know, Marie McKenzie, who you interviewed and I, I watched, I believe last week, um, was in my, in my group, uh, Dr. Vanessa, who I think is coming up. Um, and then we have another person, Erica B. Davis, the four of us, you know, was the one. So we kind of knitted together to be each other's support because we were going through it. So once we got it out the first draft and then we went through like so many edits, like it really was a process and I embraced it. I embraced it because I wanted to learn as much as I can. So I really, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And from us completing it, all four of us hit the Amazon number one bestseller on the day of our release. Um, and then we also had opportunities to write with the tribe, you know, at some higher level. So uh, Erica and I co-wrote our Queen of Bahia, which, which we see here is a King of a Queen of a Castle series that she has. Um, Dr. Vanessa, I believe, continued on with the Pleasure series. And then I think Marie is in that as well. So we had opportunities because we showed and proved our, our writing skills and ability and our willingness to learn to have two books come out in, in, a, in a year, within a year of writing <laughs> and taking the writing series. So that was like the amazing part of having people behind you inside of what we're working on and so I shared with my husband you know and then I share with my aunt because we had to cross check some some references of like when did we leave and what happened she was kind of my fact check fact checker but everybody else I kind of moved in silence and I just popped up with a book 
And that's why I tell people when you got to move in silence because so many people get, you know, that one person, well, why are you writing? You ain't got nothing to say. People internalize that and let, let somebody else's opinion stop them. And we really got to stop doing that. We can't stop negative people, but we can control how much access we give folks. Um, you know, that I think that's just wisdom. So I tell people move in silence and just be popping up with stuff. And that's how I move. They say, you stay doing this or you stay. Yeah. Yeah. I just be popping up with stuff. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, like a lot of people have bucket list things. So like you, you'll have things that you want to do, be like, Oh, I want to do this. But I feel like with being an author, that's one of those things that you have to have a real passion to do because it can weed people out if you're not passionate about what you're writing or or passionate just about just starting about going about doing it. So like uh, what gave you the passion like around that pandemic time to start that process? Yeah. So the passion for me, because when I've told my story or shared with people, almost everyone's next reaction is like, bro, you got to write a book, you know, you should write. And, and I've been told that, you know, a lot. And I'm like, oh yeah. So then again, around probably November, probably two months before everything happened, that unction started flowing in my heart again about, okay, we need to get into writing and take it serious. So I really said a prayer and was like, okay, well, Lord, if that's in my heart, send me the people, because you know me, like I, I, I'm all over the place. <laughs> you know, I tell people when you're creative, there's some signs of ADHD in here because we're like squirrel, 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 you know, and I teach high school. So that also gives me the ability to be like squirrels because every day is different. And I taught a creative um, course to kids. I taught kids how to shoot and edit video. So staying in the creative, but giving so much to my kids, I had nothing to give out for myself. So being home for the pandemic, the pandemic, those 18 months, allowed me to really explore that passion again and then when I saw Nelena's group and I popped in I was like okay this is where I need to be you know at this time and at this moment to get everything done I feel that uh writing a book is a skill because there are some people that may not be passionate about it but there are ways that they can get they have great stories and we know that self-publishing is leveling the playing field so for us um especially when way the way we see it published I feel like we need to tell our stories our way and when I tell people I have a different perspective, being an African-American and growing up around an all-white environment, how that's a different perspective and a different type of trauma than what the media tries to show was a Black experience, it shows that, okay, again, we are not a monolith. You know, you have middle-class Black folks, you got upper class, you have all different classes, and we're not all the same, which is, again, that narrative that everyone, you know, wants to try to push or the things that we only see. So that's why I was like, okay, let me do this and just get my story out because once it's on words, it's out. And so I've had a lot of people connect with me, but the biggest group of people that I found interesting are people who identify as biracial women because they said that they knew, like they connected because they felt like not having a place and then not being accepted, it really resonates. So that was a surprise to me. I, I, I would have never have thought that you know so again I would have known that without putting it out there you know talking about the book on podcasts I had uh, I threw my own um, you know book signing events and stuff like that and to have people just say wow your book really touched me I was inspired um, you know it, it you know it, it was solid they said I couldn't put it down I laughed I cried you know you're a great storyteller so that just really kind of touches my heart to be like okay wow you know I have a little bit of a legacy to kind of put out you know I'm just one little you know shortcake out here <laughs> in the world 
Yeah, so as far as your books, so uh, uh, tell people how many books you have out currently and, uh, and the names of them and just give a brief description of what they what they uh, are about. Yes. Okay. So what we've been talking most about is my memoir, Growing Up Joplin. And as I said, that's kind of my triumphs and my um, uh, challenges of being growing up as in one of a few African-Americans in a small white Midwestern town. And then that led to my first romantic suspense, which I co-wrote with Erica B. Davis. And it is book nine of uh, Nelena uh, Kai's um, Queens of the Castle series. And so she has, you know, it's the it's the third of the series. So they started Kings of the Castles, then they have, I think they had Knights. Now we have King, the Queens, and then Ladies will come out later. But, you know, that's how uh, the opportunity began. So going from nonfiction to fiction and with a writing partner uh, was definitely, again, something new, uh, something challenging. Now, the beautiful thing, Erica and I, we get along great. And we complement each other so well in our writing that one of the comments was like, we couldn't even tell where people where your voice is blended it, the storytelling was so well um, but I think the way we write our story you know she's great with the dialogue and I have so much fun I mean she's great with descriptions and I have a ton of fun with dialogue but we work together it wasn't like you take chapter one and I do two and three we literally work together um, you know for that so that is everything that kind of happened like within the last year um, so it's I'm still pretty new um, but to kick out kind of two books push through that whole thing um, that's where they are they're at uh, everywhere books are sold so Amazon uh, Barnes and Noble a lot of the places and then if you ever want some more information my website is just kadeshapowell.com and then what I'm working on now currently is I'm in a Hallmark rom-com uh, cohort so I was able to uh, join this class and we'll end in two weeks so my goal hopefully will be that I have my screenplay you know sold to uh, rom-com, you know, Hallmark or Lifetime or some, you know, type of network um, and get that produced. So that is what I'm working on in the class. Currently, I have about out of 85 pages, we're probably about 60, you know, so I'm a tiny bit behind there, but I'm going to, you know, get myself caught up because I really enjoy the story and I just really like writing. So just embracing all aspects of it other opportunities opportunities have come up so yeah that's what that's kind of where i'm i'm at now okay <laughs> so uh do do you see yourself doing this long term as far as writing books or is this just a phase you're going through right now no i i would love to make a career out of it so i am working to expand out so with growing up joplin it's in several of the libraries since i was a teacher for 13 years i'm kind of working on making a curriculum you know, to go with it as a reading companion, because um, it definitely could fit high school, um, great lessons in there as well. And then, um, yeah, if I could find a way to work full time, I would do it, which is now again, where I work, start working with a couple of clients that I have to help them write their stories. So what they get with me as a teacher, because I know how to kind of, I'll talk to them, I get to know my clients, I will know how to break down getting their story done within 90 days, at least get, let's get this first draft written, um, we're going to get it edited. I'm going to show you the shortcuts that I learned and other things I learned on my own to help them write their own story. So I'm very passionate about moving to this next stage. 
Exchange. And um, on July 9th, I'm actually holding a Write Your Memoir Live masterclass. It's going to be a free masterclass. And again, all the information is at my website, kadishapow.com. And then at the end, you know, be maybe opportunity for me to help others tell their story. So I'm very passionate about that, especially people, you know, who identify, you know, as people of color, because again, I feel it's our time to tell our stories our way. And that's going to cut out some of the stereotypes that we see in movies and other books when people think they know the black experience but they have a stereotypical view of the black experience i want us to tell our unadulterated experience of what we experienced how we felt because no one can tell us we didn't feel that way you know some of those challenges i've come against people trying to like you know white explain racism to me and stuff and i'm like you can't discount what i what i experienced you know and so that's kind of some of the challenge when people want to push back on topics that make them uncomfortable and but again all of us have a story all of us have a story and the more stories that are out there, I think the next generation is going to be able to appreciate it. So that's why I'm a huge fan of self-publishing because it helps us level the playing field, you know, like just like the internet and stuff like that. You have a podcast, you're able to grow your own, you know, crowd because previous when podcasts came out, you know, I never saw us, you know, and if I saw us, it was sports, you know, is some, you know, but we're talking about basketball, we're talking about this, but not just people talking to people, you know, saying, you know what, I experienced that, I felt that same way. And now, again, like I said, the internet, YouTube, and all these platforms is helping us kick our voice out here when so many times our voices are muted or we're told to shut up, we're told dribble and play, sit in the back, be quiet you know, that's that we need this, this helps us break those type of things. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, That was one of the big reasons I uh, started my podcast was because I felt like in the uh, minority community, we don't have enough dialogue amongst ourselves because I talk about real topics too. I don't just do uh, interviews, but Mental health is a real issue as far as among Black people. And uh, uh, just having a conversation with like-minded people or people from different backgrounds on a platform could do wonders for people. Uh, Just getting reassurance and confidence in themselves, just knowing that people think like them or been through similar situations. So that was the main reason why I uh, started my podcast two years ago. But as far as like the success of your books um do you have like a roundabout number off the top of your head how many books have you sold and uh also uh just describe some interactions when you um when you first start putting this out like interactions you had in person or on social media people just just giving you positive feedback about it yeah, so social media, I have haven't experienced any any negative. So when I went to Joplin, I said, you know, I can't write about my hometown and not go there. So I planned my own little book tour. I went to Joplin, you know, now thinking a small town, reached out to my family and friends, you know, so I was able to get on the morning news and talk about the book. Uh, we had a book signing event at a kind of like um, open market. And so I had a table and had everything. We sold 75 copies. Um, you know, so I sold out, you know, of the copies. I had um, a friend, she works with students in juvenile. So I set aside 10 for her. Now, the beautiful thing is tons of support. You know, uh, the thing about a small town, most of the people that, you know, again, that I grew up with, 
um, still chit chat with, still interact with Facebook. They all came out to support, you know, whether they came to say, hey, um, you know, they all came to buy, uh, said that, you know, they let I signed the books and even they were bringing other people in. So that was just really beautiful. Uh, I had a meet and greet after that, you know, to where I could just sit down and chill and hang out with folks. So I sold another few copies there. Um, probably the ebook, we've probably maybe sold, I don't know, maybe 400 or 500 copies. I have to check the numbers last, but with the paperback, um, that's where I'm making my money back because my paperback is $10 versus a $2.99. And then I love any, uh, I'm an extreme extrovert. So give me an event where people, I could talk my way and I, before I know it, the books are gone. And then, well, how can, you know, I've been invited to be a book club guest. Um, and so that's happened a couple of times. I've been invited to speak at other events. So the, having the book, and putting yourself out there has opened up other opportunities that, you know, I may not have had, you know, in the same situation. Now, I also know because I had taught media, you the good comes with the bad, you know, so if somebody has one negative comment, I just chuck it off and be like, okay, well, and I tell people my book's not for everybody, you know, so if you read the premise and it ain't for you, okay, cool, move on. You know, that's why we have our own personal preference. I don't read everything. I like what I like to read and that's okay, but, you know. Yeah, so that's that's kind of why you know I felt there. So I'm hoping again and continue on with the path. Again, I hope to see my name, you know, in the credits as a writer <laughs> for my my um my screenplays. And so that's you know why. Now I do want to give a shout out to my husband. You know, he's an IT and tech, so he's super supportive. So there's no huge pressure or demand to be like you have to do this and this. Um, he's very proud of the kind of work I do. So I just told him, can you just give me about six to eight months let me just kind of see what we happen here you know because I left teaching in January like I said um before I either look back into getting a job or you know going from there let me just explore here so you know I've been productive in that in the six and eight months with the writing with the podcasting and um other opportunities so he's super supportive so if I think I need a little bit more time he's it's not a big issue but you know to have to be like, oh, you have to work. So I know that I'm blessed in that situation and very appreciative of him, um, you know, being able to really like hold me down, take care of me in that arena. And so, yeah, you know, so that I know I'm in a unique situation where it's not everybody's um, opportunity to be able to, to, to focus on their craft full time. Yeah, I was just uh, about to ask that, uh, was, would you leave your job if you got to a certain amount of assess with the books and things like that I was just about to ask that yeah yeah so yeah I left teaching not for, for writing it was just a lot going on but yeah these last six months or so I've been able to focus on my writing and so like I said I have almost two screenplays written uh outline for my next series book so I'm really you know pushing myself to kind of go back and he told me okay if you want to go out that's on you know that's on you you don't have to but you know like I said it's just it's just really nice to be in that situation <laughs> yeah so uh what are your short and long-term goals as far as like uh everything you got going on right now yeah so short-term goals in the next kind of two weeks to knock out my screenplays uh, my teacher, her name is Erin uh, Rodman. She um, actually has sold five Hallmark films in the last that been she wrote them. They've been produced 
on Hallmark Channel in the last two years. So she's been a huge asset. So I hope, and you know, at the end of my class, once everything's done, that she has some opportunities or some contacts that where I can find out my next steps to get it sold or get it in producers' hands or find out those next steps. So I know that be it having her as a teacher as well as like a mentor has been great since she's right now in the thick of the field. You know, she she's there. So then now with uh, Nelena Kai's group, just getting the outline for the next series that I'm a part of that's going to come out in December 23, 2023. So those are those are some things. Um. The rest of the time, just my go to Cabo, some vacationing. That's my second part. I'm a travel agent. So love to travel. I've been to about 15 or 16 countries. Um, you know, I think again, travel opens our eyes, you know, to such different experiences. And I vacation and I've mission tripped, you know, two different experiences, but being able to be like, wow, you know, have appreciative of what we have here in the US and what other cultures and countries, you know, are experiencing. And so that that is that. So yeah. Yeah, long term again, hopefully keep pushing my writing to where I can do it full time. And if not, give me a little part time or give me a you know job to just have my own little couple dollars, you know, uh, to kind of do whatever, because, yeah, you know, it's a lot that goes into to publishing and editing and making sure that it's right. And that's why I tell people, if you're going to sell pub, don't skip any steps. You've got to hire a book cover. You've got to hire someone who's going to do your edits and help you find any plot holes. Because I think the thing that hurts self-publish is that anybody can sell pub. They can just throw it on Amazon and bam, it's out here. And some, some of the stuff is not great. So that's the, some of the, some of the things that hurt, but, you know, now again, we're trying to, you know, push people, do it, do it the best you can do, you know? Um, and so you're going to have to pay for some things. You're gonna have to pay for your cover. Uh, Cause all of our covers have already popped. People always pick up the book and say, oh, this is a beautiful cover. Um, and, you know, Jeremy JL Woodson studios, um, he's based in Houston. He's, he's done all of our covers for our tribe books and he's amazing. So uh, that the editing is a little bit of, of money and time, you know, but, you know, don't you want to kick out the best product, you know, so, you know, people, oh, I could just do this, I could do that, you could, but you can't, you're going to miss stuff. If you try to do your own edits, it take it helps to have a couple pair of eyes to catch those things to make it stronger and tighter. Right. So, uh, do you have anything else that you want to uh, push out to the people that I might not cover? Yeah, I know. I just want to say, you know, follow your dreams. Don't, you know, regardless of how you started, you get to hopefully control how you end or maybe some trajectory, you know, um, you have a story to tell and tell it your way. You know, if you are interested in needing, wanting to write your own story in your memoir, please, please reach out. Uh, again, as a book coach, I'm helping my clients. I only focus on memoir writing and self-help. Uh, because again, a lot of people are gurus about every book, but if you don't read every book, how do you know what needs to go in there? You know, that doesn't make sense to me when book coaches, uh, I do everything, but it's like, okay, well, what about fantasy? Well, I don't read fantasy. So how can you coach me on writing a fantasy book when you've never published one and you haven't gone through the steps? So that's why my heart is the memoir, helping people tell their stories and they don't even have to go to publication. Maybe they want to leave it for a legacy for their children or whatever, or they just want to get out because writing is is very therapeutic. And um, again, the writing and again, having a strong therapist has helped me like tremendously in this last year. And as you said, the mental health, I'm definitely a strong component to reach out, you know, kind of get out of the way of the stereotypes of, of having a therapist and going to therapy um, because it can really help you. 
So I just want to say, you know, Eric J. the Great, I appreciate you taking time to interview. It's been a pleasure. And, you know, um, the time is like shot by <laughs> so fast. Yeah. Um, I got one last question. Um, yeah. What, um, what's the, uh, the end, your end goal as far as like um, when you first started this process with a pandemic with books? and everything you got going on right now as far as still putting new books out, uh, being a book coach and plays, things like <laughs> that. What, what, is the, uh, what is the end goal and uh, what, how, how do you want to um, affect people? You know, how you want uh, to touch people, like uh, what you want people to know you by, you know, as far as like what you got going on with your movement and things like that. Right. Yeah, so just the teacher, the mother, the storyteller and me, <laughs> excuse me, all three of us just want to help people tell their stories. Um, you know, I want to go in a bookstore and just see a plethora, you know, of us on the covers, um, on the shelves, not these tiny little sections. I want to go to airports and look and see us, not just for Juneteenth or Black History, just to be able to see and mix in here. Now, again, like I said, all of us have a story and our ancestors, they verbally told us the stories. And so now we have the means to be able to put it on paper where we not only have the verbal, we now have the written because long after I'm gone, <clears throat> the book still be here. And then the people component, you know, I have a heart for people, which is why I love teaching. Um, I know that I could pull the stories out. So that's why I really want to focus on the book coaching part um, from there. Okay, excuse me. Uh, excuse me I'm sorry a little bit of allergies and uh help people tell their stories so I know I have a passion for both so whoever I work with will be <clears throat> uh impacted and I just want to be able to be known as like a bubbly you know fun person who help people you know get to their goals so that's kind of where my heart is and I know if I keep pushing I'm going to reach them because nothing's there to stop me from other than me stopping myself. Absolutely. So uh, <laughs> let people know how to find you and uh, on social media and your website and things like that. Yes. Yeah, so social media on Instagram, I'm Kadisha underscore Powell as same as Twitter. And then uh, TikTok is just Kadisha <laughs> underscore PS. But you can find me at my website where I keep it updated, uh, KadishaPowell.com. And then I'm real active on my emails, pretty active on my social media as well. So you can hit me up the DMs if you want more information. And like I said, hit my website. I'm hosting a four-hour masterclass on July the 9th, Saturday, July 9th from 12 to 4 Eastern. It's free. Um, there is a VIP option if you want to have some personal time prior to that, you know, well, but I want to help people just give them the information on how to get started. So right now I'm getting into marketing, promoting the event <clears throat> to get people in the room to start this process. Okay. And, uh, that's it. Um, I, I appreciate you coming on the podcast. Um, you can come on the podcast, uh, anytime you want. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I'll push some out, you know, uh, um, I drop episodes every week. I drop once a week. So, uh, I know your interview is, uh, uh, let me look at my calendar real quick. <laughs> I know it's supposed to come out in, uh, July. Oh, uh, okay. 
because I got a couple more that, that comes out before. Uh, let me see. Yeah, we got. Let's see. Yep. So yours, yeah, the your, that drops July twenty. Hey. July twenty. Okay. No, so uh, August first is when the interview. Oh, yeah, that Monday, August first. Oh, okay. Yeah, because I um, I only drop on Mondays. Okay. Like, like I, I was pushing out like a lot of content, like four or five times a week, and yeah. then like, yeah, this is not the, the uh, efficient way of doing this. So right. I had to switch it up recently. So okay, I understand, I understand. And so my goals hopefully have um, at least a mastermind once a month. So hopefully, even if they hear me and they miss July, hopefully they could go to the website and I'll have July uh, August date up and ready. <clears throat> yeah, 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 but I. Uh, upload everything uh tonight so um i don't know if you follow my youtube channel but uh i premiere every video so you'll see the date and everything if you uh subscribe to my youtube channel because i drop them at the same time on monday at 12 o'clock at noon so yeah and uh like i talk about real stuff too like i'm talking about relationships child support police brutality like a lot of different stuff so you know anytime you want to come on you know you can uh feel free to hit me up sweet sweet do you ever talk to two people at one time yeah 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 i just did a podcast what two weeks ago with my friends it was three of us on here well it was was four it was three of them it was four all together but yeah yeah yeah. so if you ever this is just food for thought my husband is nigerian so we have definitely had some cultural you know um great conversations as well as like trying to figure out how to bring the two groups together (laughs) uh because it's a lot of misunderstanding on both sides i would say misinformation not understanding but misinformation on both sides of of the spectrum it's been interesting um you know because we've been together four years but again still some of the cultural things you know kind of come up from from that but yeah so that's definitely something for the culture cultural things that are like (laughs) wow (laughs) so yeah well yeah uh this concludes today uh episode and um on the link in my um, Instagram has uh, every platform that my podcast is on. I'm on 12 different platforms. Wow, okay. Yeah, I'm on Spotify, Amazon Music, Apple, every possible podcast platform. So um, you can uh, click the link and uh, go to my YouTube channel to keep up when when the video drops. The video is going to drop on that day, but I'm just saying... Just so you can get a notification on when it drops. Oh, yeah. Yep. Okay. Yep. I will do. I, I don't have a Spotify, but I, I think all the rest of them, any of them I have, I'll get on there and follow you, get the notifications. Like I said, I watched Marie's and I was like, oh, this is awesome. I think I subscribed. I'll have to see if I did, um, you know, from that. <clears throat> well, yeah. right. Thank you again. I appreciate it. <laughs> all right. No problem. And uh, you have a good night. All right. You too. <laughs>